Hello and welcome back to another episode of Couch Potato Critics. I'm Shirley. I'm Carly. And I'm Miriam. And today's movie is, Miriam, would you like to announce it since it was your pick? <laughs> 1934's It Happened One Night. Now, this is continuing on our best picture theme and this one in this one at the seventh Oscars ever. And it stars Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert, who's directed by Frank Capra and written by Robert Rickinson. So this movie won the big five, which we done we have done one other movie, which is Silence of the Lambs. Go check that out if you haven't listened to it already. So it won Best Production. I guess it was called Best Production back then, but Best Picture. Uh, best production. I guess so. That's what it said on Wikipedia, and I was really confused. But it was. I guess it was just whatever. It won Best Picture. Um, it won Best Director Frank Capra, Best Actor Clark Gable, Best Actress Claudette Colbert, and Best Adapted Screenplay to Robert Rickinson. In Frank Capra's acclaimed romantic comedy, spoiled heiress Ellie Andrews, played by Claudette Colbert, marries the scheming King Wesley leading her tycoon father to spirit her away on his yacht. After jumping ship, Ellie falls in love with cynical newspaper reporter Peter Warren, played by Clark Gable, who offers to help her reunite with her new husband in exchange for an exclusive story. But during their travels, the reporter finds himself falling for the feisty young heiress. So to start the discussion off, I guess I'll start with the question, do you think this deserves winning Best Picture? Um. So as we'll discuss... Like, when we get more into the movie, like, we'll learn more about the characters and the storyline and everything. But personally, I think that this movie 100% deserved to win Best Picture. It was... Do you think it deserved to win the big five? Um, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, taking it in mind that it was, like, they didn't have as good technology back then, I guess. So, like, it doesn't look as good as, like, a modern movie would. But for the time period, like, I think it was, it was really good. Um... It was funny, it was clever, it was suspenseful at times even. It was just a really, really good movie. I think it deserved all of the accolades that it received. I have to agree with Shirley for once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I agree. I do think it definitely deserved what it got. It was very enjoyable. And I honestly prefer it to a lot of the other movies we talked about so far. So I definitely think it did. Me too, honestly, which I felt like was kind of surprising because going into like old movies, you know, you're a little bit worried. Like, is this good movie going to be slow? Will I not get the jokes? You know, will I, you know, not like, well, is it boring to look at or whatever? And I felt very, very entertained throughout watching this movie. And similarly to our last episode, which is about Grand Hotel, my movie pick, um, I felt that this movie would be really... Um, good if it was like adapted to like a modern thing like i felt like this is something that is withheld the changing of eras well i of course agree since this was my pick as well i have to but um i think like it really is different than previous movies we've done i think i mean i guess you could qualify some of the movies we watched as uh, comedies, but this one has much more light tone than, I mean, the previous two movies we watched have had murder involved in them, so yeah. this is a, a little bit of a different vibe. I think the only thing that we have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only thing that we've watched so far that, like, could be considered, like, a comedy would be Nightmare for Christmas, yeah. just because it's, like, a children's I mean, movie. Is so bad. 
Halloween is bad. You can laugh at it because, or at least in our opinion, not to offend any Halloween fans, again, it's bad. But you can, like, kind of laugh at it. Um, but it's not meant to be funny. This was, like, a really, like, this was, like, a rom-com, kind of, I guess. Yeah, was was it called comedy. that back then? Probably not a rom-com. But yeah, <laughs> they didn't abbreviate like that. One thing I found interesting when I was researching this movie is, like, both Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert really didn't want to do this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that's one note that is very... I don't know. So, Clark Gable, this movie was made by Columbia Pictures, and one thing, if you don't know, for the time uh, when you are a movie star, there's a few rare exceptions, but you're signed to a studio, and you do films for that studio. You can be lent out to other studios, but you typically just do... This is still a thing? Not really. Uh, I don't think so, but uh, that's typically what happens. So, Clark Gable was signed with MGM. This is by Columbia Pictures, and MGM loaned him out to Columbia Pictures for this movie, and, you know, there's a lot of speculation why. Like, I think one of the theories is it was, like, a punishment for he had an affair with Joan Crawford, who he does several movies with. Another is he didn't take a role in a different film. But either way, it was not willingly... Like, in some instances, actors will go to their studio and be like, hey, I really want to be in this movie. Can you loan me out? And, and this was not the case for them. And uh, Claudette Colbert complained nearly every day during the making of the film and on the last day of shooting she told a friend i just finished making the worst picture ever i think that that's so like that's so ironic because like we said it won the big five which is a really really big deal which means that it's a really good movie and i think like when you're working okay like let's say you know you're working on it you just really don't like the people that you're working with yeah. or you don't like the character that you're playing you can still appreciate when it's a good film like i, I wonder maybe it was like a self-confidence issue within her or maybe it was like a she was just like oh i'm past this you know i just find that so interesting and honestly that makes me kind of sad because as we'll get into when we talk about the characters i thought the chemistry between the two of them was awesome and just shows that they're good actors i guess because they didn't like it there <laughs> yeah i mean <clears throat> both of our so this movie and then Grand Hotel, which we talked about last time, were both pretty dialogue heavy. Yeah. But I think this one came off a lot more interesting. And that probably has a lot to do with how the actors interact with each other. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm. it's just a lot of, like, insane incidences. Like, Columbia really didn't believe in the picture. They kind of released it they didn't really advertise it much and it just it became columbia's biggest hit to date for them seriously still mm, i don't think so but uh. if it, at that point it was their biggest hit um but like you know like clark gable showed up drunk when he first met the director of the film he on his first day on set he said let's get this over with it was very so much what, what you're basically saying is like both actors went in like with like a this is gonna suck yeah. Yeah. so they almost had like no room to be like oh okay let's give this a shot they were like no screw this yeah but the fact I that mean, it came out so great is what's yeah nice. i mean i think that's part of it maybe just the both i mean because both the characters in the story kind of want to get the trip over with at least to begin with um and like claudette 
Colbert only agreed to do the movie because her salary was going to be doubled for it, and it would the filming I I believe only took four weeks, so that's why I would. I always find it so I'm someone who likes to tune into award shows and things like that. I always find it so funny when people do not show up for their awards and like someone else has to accept it for them or and I feel so bad for the presenter who's just kind of standing there like what do I do you know and so I always like I don't know I just think like it takes some some not to be that person but it does take some nerve to not show up to accept your Oscar you know like really um but I guess anyways moving on to pass them from Going away from who they are as people, I guess we should move into onto the characters. So who is listed first on the cast list, Miriam? I believe it is Clark Gable. So Clark Gable plays Peter how do you, Warren. Warren, who is a recently, fired. a recently fired journalist who goes on this bus trip and meets this girl named Ellie. And he decides that he wants to, well, so Ellie... Let me give yeah. Let me give a little bit of backstory. So Ellie is running away from her father because she wants to marry King Wesley and so she has become this huge news story because her father is very rich and she's very famous. And so when um Peter realizes that it's her, you know, he initially wants to help her to kind of get a story, but then as the movie goes on, the two of them fall in love and he basically spends a lot of money back then and a lot of time and effort trying to protect her um throughout the course of the film so what do you guys like think of him as a character what are your thoughts um um my initial thoughts um i really liked him i thought he was at first um i thought it was weird like how much he was helping her but then he was like oh yeah then he (laughs) i I thought it was weird how much he was helping her because even though this was, what, 1934, mm-hmm. still people weren't that nice. Um, yeah. So, but then he he told her that he knew it was her. You know, like, she he knew who she was. Um, but I think he was a really great character. He was really funny. He was so funny. I love him so much. Really I love cynical people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was just funny how he like showed up drunk to his boss and everything but then at the he's like a hopeless romantic then he yeah. showed up and he was like oh i love her you know and i just it was really fun yeah well i i of course loved him he was charming and whatnot and yes yeah, <laughs> i just love clark gable okay no but i think um clark gable's probably most famous role is in gone with the wind where he plays rep but Oh my god. I n- almost said. I, I know. I literally almost said Rhett and Link. I'm not <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Good. I, yeah. yeah. So his most famous role is probably his Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind. And I think their characters are very similar of being like charming and charismatic, but very like cynical sounding and like kind of like a bit talking down to the woman of being like, you know this is for your own good, like, get to, but it's in a good way, I say, and he was just so lovely, and, yeah. (laughs) So, I also really liked his character. I thought that, like, obviously, like, you know, men don't need to protect women, but I thought that what he was doing was helpful. He was helping somebody in need, and I love, I do love how they ended up, you know, falling for each other. Um, I think that, it was 
it started okay so i did actually unlike you two i did actually have an issue with him what i didn't like and i know that they put this in the movie to kind of add some you know falling climax or whatever um but i did not like how you know after he had fallen in love with her he still went back to his boss and was like well i have this big story because personally like if i had been on this huge journey with someone and i'm trying to escape and even if i knew that they were a journalist if i had fallen in love with someone and we had just i just declared my love to them the last thing I would want them to do is leave me in the middle of the night while I'm sleeping to go return to their boss to be like, hey, guess what? Instead of her marrying King Wesley, she's marrying me. I would think that that would just was like, kind of like, are you using my love for, you know, your job or for your own personal gain? But I did like him. I thought that he was super kind. And I also thought that he, you know, didn't take advantage of her at all, except for that one thing where he was kind of using her as a story. But I think that he was, and also... He was really funny. I, I'm a really sarcastic person. I really like sarcastic people and I really liked his humor right off the bat, you know, like when he is, um, you know, throwing the newspapers out of the truck or, or, um, his, like one of his very first lines was, I thought this was so clever, was when on one end of the phone, his boss was firing him, but there was a big group of people, you know, watching him yell at his boss and he didn't want to admit to this big group of people that he had just been fired. And so what he decided to do was go, oh, and I quit basically. And I thought that was really clever. It was kind of like a, you know, he's the, the cool guy, you know. Um, to bring it back to his relationship with Ellie, I, during the movie, I was just thinking about it and it just reminds me a lot of Rose and Jack from Titanic. It's like obviously I a little different. That. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like in Titanic, Rose is being forced to marry this guy. Even well, even though Ellie like loved King Wesley or whatever his name was, um, but Rose is being forced to marry this guy, and she didn't want to, and then she falls in love with this guy who's from like a lower social class than her, and then they yeah, it's like yeah, yeah and they totally don't die. They kind of like run into the sunset with each other. I'm just kidding. No, but <laughs> that's what it reminded me of, and I thought that was funny. So on a completely different note from Rose, Jack and Rose, and you two may know what I'm about to say, their love story, no, their love story reminded me of the, one of the most modern day romances of Jim and Pam. <laughs> so I, um, so he, hear me out though. Okay. So what, um, you know, Pam was engaged to Roy. And if you don't know this, then I don't know where you've been. Pam was engaged to Roy and Roy was clearly not right for her. He was kind of like the King Wesley, you know, um, he was just a a total Mm dirtbag. And then she fell in love with this guy who was really funny and, you know, kind of like helped her through some rough times. And so I think that, uh, they kind of connect back to each other. So I think that this, this is a pattern that you can see in a lot of different romances. It makes me think, I wonder if they were the blueprint. Like if this was the first instance of this in a film. I mean, it really seems like considering like, I can totally agree with you on like the Jim and Pam thing too. It's like, so like, you know, well, moving on to Ellie Andrews, um, who is a, spoiled heiress to millions she elopes with king wesley and then runs away um after her father finds out because and she meets peter while taking a greyhound to uh new york and one thing about ellie's character that i love is i mean i think what i love about the movie in general is it's just so you know it's comedy and 
she is not though she's spoiled it's it's not um annoyingly so (laughs) and i mean she says herself that she would she wants to be like a plumber's daughter so like she's not focused on the money she doesn't want the money she wants you know in this case king wesley so she's not um you know she's spoiled in the way of that's just how she was raised but she says she would give it all up for him for love you know i like is she's a girl boss (laughs) Yeah, yeah and i think the way that she and peter sort of banter with one another is like you know that's what makes it such a fun and enjoyable movie um and i think that like the way that she's like so willing to do this on her own and even though she does end up her i mean they both help each other out in the end peter and ellie um whatever she's a girl boss that's all i said yeah (laughs) um (laughs) i really liked her character because personally i really like the trope of people like rich i mean i don't know if it's really a trope but like for example ellie we've already named two couples that follow this yeah yeah but that's not really what i'm gonna say yeah yeah but like because ellie is the daughter of such a rich stock market guy she's been raised in the lap of luxury literally so she's not used to you know public transportation and all of this stuff so I just really like throughout the movie how she had to get used to things that everyday people do and Peter had to explain it all to her. I just really love when that happens in movies. I think that's really interesting. I also really like that. I think that it's really fun when you get to watch a journey of a character and there's so many different examples of this. You could probably find one of these characters in every single movie. Mm-hmm. A character really coming, um, growing into themselves. And I honestly don't agree with the... Um, how the synopsis calls her spoiled because there's one point in the movie where she basically says you know people call me a spoiled brat but i'm not a spoiled brat because if i was i would have gotten everything i wanted and my entire life i've been told what to do and i haven't gotten anything i wanted now obviously she had a ton of money like her life was not um like hard financially or anything but she didn't get to you know live out her goals and so i think that um she is like carly said she's learning everyday like people things but i also think that she is learning how to be her own person um and i really liked watching this journey of her and i i just really one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie was like when she was at the they were at like a small hotel together and she needed to go take a shower and the showers were outside of the hotel room and so she walks and she's walking in the dirt and she's wearing since her Oh, we should have mentioned this earlier in the movie. Her bag was stolen. So that's part of the reason why Peter is helping her so much because she doesn't have any money. And so she is walking. She's wearing Peter's oversized pajamas and his slippers because she didn't have any pajamas with her. And she's like kind of fumbling over herself and everyone's staring at her and she gets to the shower and she goes to go in the shower and she opens it and a lady is already showering and she had completely skipped over the line. Like she is learning how to... Now you could call that spoiled, but she's also just learning like Carly said, how to, you know, do everyday people things. And I think that she's a really great character. So, um, those are the two, like, main characters. Unlike our last film, which was, uh, Grand Hotel, we, like, that was more of an ensemble cast. This was really just, like, a romance with two main characters. Um, I guess we could talk about some of the minor characters, just, you know, like, joke around about them or something. First off, King Wesley. What is he the king of? Because... Is that his name? 
It's his. It's a nickname. Okay, it's his nickname. So he's not actually royalty because the entire movie I was watching, I was like, is he? He can't be king of England because they would not let a future <laughs> queen of England be running around. Plus, he doesn't have a British accent. Who yeah. is this guy? Right? Like, you know, I just thought that was really funny. But if you guys have any like things to say about King Wesley or any of the other minor characters, well, I think he's a pilot because also, because he has of a question. You know. In in the wet, there's a wedding scene at the end between Ellie and King Wesley, and then she changes her mind, yada yada yada. But he comes down in the wedding to some kind of helicopter. What is that it, thing? It, it, like, that I've never heard of it before. So, it was called a, a an arrow something. I've, I I don't know. I just do you guys know what that is? No, I didn't, and I'm assuming it was just like an early like it was so an funny early looking. type of helicopter thing. But an it was auto, really funny, an auto, like. An auto- an auto gyro i i don't know if that's it was really strange it was it was really weird and i guess it kind of showed how he was like thought that he was better than everyone else because he was physically higher than everyone else um another like minor character that i thought was his like really funny and also uh, led me to one question was so there's a certain point in the movie where the two of them are hitchhiking and they have this really (laughs) carly knows what i'm gonna say (laughs) they have this really interesting conversation about hitchhiking anyways um they finally Which we'll talk about. yeah we will but they finally get this guy to come pick them up and they go to like this little hamburger restaurant and ellie and peter don't go in the restaurant with him but they decide to stretch their legs so they get out of the car and um the guy who had picked them up the, the driver he decided to drive away with um peter's bag now they don't actually show what happens between peter and the driver but peter then goes off manages to find the driver and comes back with the car without the driver so and a busted up face and and a messed up face so during this movie peter committed uh like assault he committed assault and car theft theft. like he literally like was he was like in gta and i just thought that that was really interesting how they just glossed over the fact that he stole a car we're law we're lost about that not that strict back then like what? I mean, to be fair, the guy first stole his bag, but I mean, like, you don't cancel out a crime with another crime. Yeah. <laughs> but I, ju- I just found that character really, really funny, especially when he first picked them up and he was just singing it everything. Was it was, if it, it's hard to describe, so you guys should probably, like, pick a clip or something, but it was really funny. Um, and I guess just real quick, we'll talk about Ellie's dad, who I... He's a sweetie. I have yeah. mixed feelings on yeah. him. Yeah, well, because so yeah, so at first it is a bit like she obviously wants to be with this. Ellie obviously wants to be with King Wesley, and her father disapproves. So and what that's what leads the whole journey. And I think that like he's definitely you know in the wrong there. Like you let your daughter do what she wants, but by the end of the movie he sees that she is really just doesn't want to marry or remarry king wesley and ultimately like gets uh ellie and peter back together so shirley what are your mixed feelings okay so my mixed feelings are i kind of like so the very one of the very like literally not one of the very like the literally the first scene of the movie was the father holding his daughter captive on a boat yeah. so she couldn't go marry King Wesley. Now, I understand, like, being overprotective of your kid and being like, hey, this guy's a complete jerk. Like, don't marry him. But maybe, like, keeping her on a boat is not the best approach. Also, 
I think that it is fair to allow her to make her own decisions. Um, you know, I do, uh, I do think some of his tactics are a little, like, literally making her a runaway across the country yeah. like she was a fugitive was a little extreme but i also agree with you miriam i think he was sweet and i think you know he helped her find her you know true love and i think that everything he did was out of love it may not have just been the best approach i mean to defend him in the beginning of the movie if you think about it this was what the 1930s right okay. it's not outright stated but i'd assume that ellen is his only child yeah so and he's yeah and he's a millionaire in the stock market so you have to assume whoever ellen marries gets his wealth so you can understand why he'd be so picky about who she picks that's true but still the whole kidnapping on a boat i mean the boat seemed nice i wouldn't blame him but (laughs) I, i also thought that it was kind of going back to the whole boat thing i thought it was kind of interesting how so ellie is such a like kind of i guess going back to her as well but ellie is such an interesting character like sometimes she can be super super afraid like there was you know this one scene when her and peter were gonna go to sleep in like the back of some farm they were like sleeping in like a hay pile and peter leaves for like one moment to go get something and she freaks out she's you know really distraught that he's not there but then in the the first scene of the movie is her jumping off of a boat and then becoming a runaway on a bus route that is going to go two thousand miles so I think that it's really funny how she can be super, super courageous and then sometimes be, you know, super, like, afraid. And I think that shows, like, really makes her feel like a genuine person. So Shirley mentioned it earlier. The I think the most iconic scene in this movie is when they are hitchhiking and Peter tries to show Ellie how to get a car or how to hitchhike and shows her all these methods and peter then ends up being unsuccessful in securing the ride so ellie says let me try my own method and she goes out and she shows her leg and the car comes to a halt pretty quickly so the one interesting thing that i saw about this is i think this is you know you can form your own opinion about claudette colbert but she said she didn't want to show her leg which the director frank capra found very weird because claudette colbert had been in two previous movies where she was like you know presumed nude you know she's obviously not nude on screen but she's like in a bathtub naked and just she did a lot of like actual sort of nudity stuff but in here she's like refusing to show her leg she refused to undress on camera or anything so they ended up bringing in a body double and yes and claudette colbert lost like she said like get her out i don't want her let's you know and you know i had a a tantrum about it pretty much of being like this is my movie i'm gonna show or whatever she didn't want a body double for her leg it makes like i said earlier it makes me kind of sad she seems like she would not be fun to be around like she seems (laughs) like a nightmare um but i i guess i mean it's interesting like like we also brought this up in the last one because they both take place in the 30s like the idea of modesty back then was so so different than what it is now Mm -hmm. like now showing your leg is like you know it's it's your leg like that's just a part of booty cheeks literally like you know people walk around like you know there's like a naked cowboy walking around times square in new york so but I, it's just so interesting to me, the, like, evolution. And you can also see it in their clothes, like, what they sleep in. 
Like, she was wearing, there was one scene where she was, like, wearing pajamas, and she was like, oh, I can't, I can't walk out to the shower, I have to put on a robe. Okay, so she has to put on a robe on top of her pajamas, which is just like, you're already wearing pajamas. So it's just, it's quite funny what they considered, like, spicy back then, I guess. Um, And it's, like, really gives you an insight on what life was like back then. Um, Speaking of the whole pajamas and sleeping thing... I thought the whole thing with the walls of Jericho was the funniest yeah, thing in the movie. Yeah, it was adorable. Yeah, wow. especially the last scene where you see the blanket fall. That was so yeah. cute. Oh, my God, I loved it so much. And it's just funny because in all of these old movies and stuff, you see a lot of couples that sleep in separate beds anyway, even if they're married. Yeah. So I thought it was just really interesting that you even had to put the <laughs> blanket. Yeah, Um. and one thing, this movie is... Sorry if you hear a car alarm in the background of this scene. Um, but this movie is pre-code, uh, so like the motion picture production code. I thought you were going to say pre-COVID. Yes, it, well, it, it was <laughs> well, yeah, pre-COVID, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like one of the... What the like, is outer, yeah. Um, we're just going to keep talking over it, it'll eventually stop. Um, so... They, this was one of the last romantic comedies before they started to really enforce the production code. So, that's why, like, something like, I mean, I think, like, Clark Gable showing his chest in this movie is pretty, like, risque. I was was actually surprised about that. Yeah. You know, like, if I was watching a movie today, like, I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I was, like, watching it, and I, I think I looked down, and then I, like, looked up, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, he's not wearing, and he almost, like, (laughs) he's not wearing a shirt, like, and I almost felt, I was like, oh, he's not wearing a shirt, like, that doesn't matter, but then at first I was like, oh, he's not wearing a shirt, because I think I had gotten, yeah, it was in the mindset of, like, being in the 30s, and I also think, like, one thing I always think about when I'm watching movies from the 30s is, like, this was during the Great Depression, and so it's, like, I wonder, you know, how many people turn to this movie as, like, a kind of a form of, like, escapism. I think that's just, like, a really interesting idea. I just think it's funny that you said that, because I do the same thing, especially if it's movies during, like, the late 30s or, like, early 40s. Yeah. Even if it's not about World War II in any way, I'm, like, I'm thinking, like, across, like somewhere across the world, somebody's getting shot right now. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happens yeah. nowadays anyway. But, like, you know, it's just, when you watch a movie from a time period that's so ingrained in your head from, like, kindergarten, it's, like, you can't help but think that. And it's, like, so weird, like, you know, the idea of, like, it's ingrained in your head. It's so weird to, like, you know, you think of the 30s as, like, oh, it was the Great Depression. Everyone was struggling. And then you're watching this movie and they're, like, you know, they're singing and they're laughing. And it's just really interesting how... um, Hollywood I feel like always like almost always like prevails like when they can film they do film and they make things that people can enjoy so this film was also considered to be the first screwball comedy so we did say how I mean we all found yeah I mean screwball I think the west (laughs) the best way to put it is it's like a satirized version of a rom-com um it's like fast talking and uh a lot like heavier heavily focused on comedy portion um and i also think like it's pretty big during the great depression and kind of fades out um as the years go on everybody's a girl boss are we still recording yes okay so um one idea that 
was kind of like present in my mind throughout watching this movie <laughs> sorry my phone one idea that was like present in my mind throughout watching this movie was um obviously it was made in the 30s but still like this idea of oh well there's this helpless woman and she needs like this prince charming to come and save her and um i obviously like don't agree with that i think like women um can yeah, be can and are you know that can go without saying that women are independent and are awesome um but what do you guys think of like watching this movie from a modern perspective like what are your thoughts what do you think like a remake would look like almost honestly like <laughs> no 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 it's just i think that if this movie was remade you know nowadays i feel like there would probably be a scene where for some reason they would start arguing and then ellie would be like you know what i don't need you and then she would just for a while go off on her own and then like peter would come back in and everything would yeah, resume it would but i feel like they yeah they'd have to show a scene like that to prove that she could be on her own yeah but i honestly feel when watching this that like i think it's pretty like it's yeah really really yeah and she only becomes that way when she would when they are in the the when they are in the back of the farm and they're gonna sleep in the hay for a night i think when she realizes he's gone is because she's in love with him you know she confesses her love a couple scenes later so i think that like she really doesn't need him it's just that she wants to have him there i definitely agree and i think like that's it's so interesting because it's like obviously there's like this underlying you know thing but that's just that just makes sense because the time period but i feel like it's so interesting because you know it was written so long ago but they still managed to make it something you know relatable and relatable surely who are you hanging around no i mean relatable like you can connect to the characters in in some way or um you know like interesting and you know you aren't like cringing while watching it yeah, normally I'll be the first to say I'm not normally one for romance movies. Me too. Um, but I like I don't deny myself a little bit of shipping, as you can tell from the Grand Hotel episode. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't help but like the last scene, like one of the last scenes where she's walking down the aisle towards King Wesley. I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Your man yeah. is somewhere else. Like I just I you know I was invested basically. Yeah. I just have to point out that I loved her wedding dress. She was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Um, And I think one thing I was going to say is uh, if it was me today, I can't help but think that they do like a gender role switch, even though like it doesn't need that. Like just because that's something that's becoming like. well like with like you know she's all that becoming he's all that it's sort of like you know a sort of gender role switch when it's like really not necessary like i don't really think it was necessary and she's all that but who really cares yeah yeah who cares about that movie i think if yeah it's not just being female like if anybody were in the position of grow up being raised one way and then being forced out into the real world anybody would be like ellie like it's not just because she's a woman yeah i definitely agree so um do we have any last points or are we ready for our ratings yeah i think so do you want to go first since it was your pick no i'll go last since it was my pick okay i point out the rotten tomatoes rating okay so the rotten tomatoes rating is is a 99 and i actually this is our highest yeah. like so rotten tomatoes you can probably tell by the name 
is they're very harsh they are very harsh they're i cannot tell you the number of times that i've watched a movie and been like wow that was a really good movie i wonder where rotten tomatoes gave it and it has like a negative score i'm like what do you mean like the tomato is like going back into the ground (laughs) um because they always have like there's a little logo next to the rotten tomatoes thing where like if it's yeah so if it's bad it's like a green splat and then if it's good it's like a tomato (laughs) no but it's again like like if you haven't heard of the office or rotten tomatoes i don't know where you've been um but i would actually give this movie a 99 like i would i really 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 enjoyed this movie like to give it a 100 i feel like is too perfect i feel like it would have to be the best thing i've ever seen in my life to give it a 100 it's not you know it's not criminal minds it's not spencer reed um (laughs) but i would give it a 99 i agree with the rotten tomatoes critics i think that the characters were interesting i didn't feel bored i thought it was funny i just i really liked it i i just i loved it and i would love to watch it again yeah, I mean, you brought up all the points that I was going to point out, so thank you, Shirley. But yeah, I would agree with the 99. I So it's kind of difficult because I don't want to give it a lower score, but at the same time, even 99 seems a little high. I don't know. I'm just really picky. <laughs> no, but I, I absolutely did love this movie, and I don't know if there's anything bad I could say about it, so I guess I agree. What about you, Miriam? Well, I agree as well. Um... I think, like you said, there's not much that I could say it's bad about it. I think it's just, you know, it's so hard to get a perfect score in anyone's mind. And I can't really ever, you know, maybe even really list a movie other than, you know, one, one's covered with nostalgia in them maybe. But it's just so hard because even though it's so great, there's just like, it's hard to say that it's perfect. I think I'll go with a 99 on this. Um, and... We did talk about, I think, uh, I think when we did Silence of the Lambs, we talked about, or maybe another episode, we went on to Rotten Tomatoes, and they have top 100 movies ever, and this is number one on is their list, really? despite having a 99%. Yeah, and they do give 100s. Yeah, so, so, th- so I believe, like... Maybe there's I'm, other factors that go into yeah it's hard it's hard to say especially since um with rotten tomatoes the critics that they're polling are critics from modern day so yeah i mean i'll talk about critics i mean like if i were like what you brought up about like modern day critics i i like to when i watch an older movie or even like a movie from the 90s i like to watch it as if i'm watching it back then unless it's something you know like really like racist or something then i'm not gonna be like oh this is this is great because it's not (laughs) but um like for instance if i were to review this if it was like made today i'd be like well the camera sucks right like you know i can clearly tell that he's not eating that carrot or whatever like you know i would nitpick it but i think in terms of the story which is really the most important thing it was really good. And I also think, you know, I liked the set changing. It was, you know, they were constantly moving around. And so that's why I think, like, even from a modern perspective, you can still give it such a high score. Yeah, and I mean, critics at the time sort of said the same thing. It got really positive reviews, although it was, like, not too successful at the box office. 
I mean, moderately. Maybe that's because you said earlier it wasn't heavily advertised. Yeah. Also, you know, the name. I felt that the title didn't really relate to it the movie. It happened one night. Like, it yeah, was not one like, night. It was like a week. <laughs> yeah. But I do like the title, either way. I like the title, but it's yeah. not what I was expecting. I feel like maybe that would fit better for Grand Hotel. Yeah, it Even could Even though Grand because, Hotel is obviously fit, but... Um, I, like... I, I would honestly, because he fell when I, when I first, like, googled it, and I, and I, you know, even when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, so it's gonna be, like, two people fall in love in one night, like, I've seen that before, and then I was like, this is not one night, they've been in to, like, 12 hotels, like, <laughs> you know. So, real quick, I just want to talk about this one fun fact, and it's, Concerning Clark Gable's Oscar. So, Clark, Clark Gable won Best Actor for this. And he accepted the Oscar. And then he gave the Oscar away to a child that admired it. You know, some kid was like, hey, that's really pretty. And he gave so the what Oscar. Happened, to, what, what happened to that kid? So, what happens is Clark Gable sort of just sort of said, the statue doesn't matter. It's the honor of being named Best Actor. Like, the statue doesn't matter. And so, years later, after Clark Gable's death, uh, the kid gives it back to Clark Gable's family, who then auctioned it off, and then Steven Spielberg buys it for seven, or, sorry, $607,500. He then donated the statue to the Motion Picture Academy, and then, um... You know, it's on display now. That's so. just been everywhere. Yeah. That is so interesting. I, Especially because that scene it. in the movie where they give the kid money. I don't yeah. Know oh my God. There's yeah. There's a like again if you haven't seen it, but there's this scene in the movie where they're on the bus and there's like this kid whose mom is is clearly sick because they haven't been able to eat like for a few days or something because they have no money and so clark gable's character gives them money well technically it's ellen well ellie but but, you know the money first yeah um but that's so (laughs) something that i found so funny about that story that you just told is that okay so clark gable himself gave it away the kid was like you know grew up was like i don't need this anymore Gave it back to the family. The family said, mm, we don't need this. <laughs> the family's like, we didn't want it back then. We still don't want it. And then so they auctioned it off. I just thought it was really funny. Like, it almost seemed like nobody truly wanted it. Yeah, well, I think, I think they do hold on to the Oscar for a bit, I would have to assume, because I believe Clark Gable, Gable dies in 1960. Hold on. He dies in. Right on the dot, 1960. So he dies in 1960, and I don't know when the kid gives it back, but I'm assuming Clark Cable gives it away in 1934 or that region. Like, the kid was, you know, I guess... Actually, never mind. I take that back. Anyway, continue. So the family didn't auction it off till 1996. So I have to assume that they held on to it for a bit, and then it was given away. If you were given an Oscar by, uh, you know, a big celebrity, would you guys give it away later on in your life? No. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I think maybe. I mean, like, I would hold I don't know. Because the thing is, you can't sell Oscars. So it's like. You can't sell them? You can't. You can't. It was auction, though. It's kind of hard to explain. Like, you, I guess you could. You, as the actor, cannot sell the Oscar or actress or whatever you as the recipient cannot it's a long story that i'll 
maybe explain some other day of this guy sells his Oscar to pay for his wife's cancer treatment, and then the Academy was like, you can't do that anymore, so you can sell it back to the Academy for a dollar now, but anyway. What? Yeah, it's a... You can sell it back to the Academy for a dollar. Yeah. That's they, but that's a story for another day. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I think, I think I maybe, maybe, like, on my deathbed, I'd be like, hey, let's donate this to a museum or something. Well, yeah, 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 at the end of my life. But, but I would, I would totally hold on to it. I would, that would be so cool. I would love an Oscar. Like, they're just so cool. Okay. Well, um, I think that's it. So, um. Carly, do you want to say your pick for next week's movie? My pick next week, it's going to be our last movie in the best motion picture cycle. So my movie is going to be, drumroll please, Casablanca. I have not seen it, neither has Shirley, but apparently Miriam has. What do we think? Are we we excited? Yep, there you go, Casablanca. So, um... You know, listen to us wherever you can find podcasts and like us and share us, share us, whatever you have to do to keep updated. And thank you. Tune in next time. Next time you drop in, bring your folks.